Oops. <laughs> Let's pray as we come to look at God's word together. Father, thank you for your word, for the scriptures that have been preserved and, and kept for us over the years. Thank you for the freedom and availability we have to read them in, in all different formats. Thank you that they are your living word and you speak to us by your spirit from them. So we pray for your word alone to cut deep into our hearts, our minds and our souls. Teach us something new or something familiar about Jesus, but teach us how to live for him, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Focus on the one in 2021, and uh, that's our theme for this year. We're hoping to really know what it means to focus on the one. And there are many different ones in scriptures, but the one that we will focus on all the time is Jesus, and then he'll lead us to understand how we can focus on the other ones. I wonder how long it's been since you lost something. Anybody good at losing things? At your place? Well, I'm really good at not remembering where I've put things. And in my shed, I might have shared this recently, I'm uh, in the process now of, I have a notebook next to the door, and if I put something in a safe place, I write it in the notebook as to where I've put it. Because there's lots of safe places in my shed, but I can't remember where they are. Uh, Just the good, the thing I have to remember is not to lose the notebook. I'm thankful that a lot of the things that I can't find are not priceless things. They're you know, things that I can replace. But I want to share with you today something that we can find which is priceless, which has value beyond compare. And that is how we can find the faith to follow Jesus every day. Every day following Jesus. I want to focus this message on Matthew chapter 8, verses 18 to 34. If you've got your Bibles there, Follow along with me. If you haven't, then the words will be up on the screen as I read them out this morning. From Matthew 8, starting at verse 18. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another, verse 21, another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. Verse 25, the disciples went and woke him up saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and they asked, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Verse 28, when he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men came from the tombs to meet him and met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, O son son of God, they shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Verse 30, some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. He said to them, go. 
So they came out and went to the pigs and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Those tending the pigs ran off, went into the town and reported all this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. How do we find faith to follow Jesus? I think this passage gives us some clues, four clues this morning, on how we find faith to follow Jesus. And the first one is, keep measuring the master's sacrifice. What has Jesus sacrificed to come to this world? What has he sacrificed to be the saviour of the world? Verses 18 through to 20, I think, say this. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, and sometimes people don't understand this reply. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Have you ever wondered why he said that? Have you ever wondered why he used that illustration to respond to that teacher's um, desire to follow Jesus wherever he would go? I believe he was trying to communicate the cost of commitment of following Jesus. There was a cost to following Jesus. And that cost was being put, being prepared, put aside the comforts of life, as it were, and to go where Jesus goes. As followers of Christ, it's not always fun, is it? It's not always fun, it's not always great, it's not always a happy time. Following Jesus can be hard, it can be difficult, it can be costly. People will stand against us when we stand for Jesus. Sometimes even people in our own family will stand against us when we choose to follow Jesus. Jesus wanted us to know that he made a great sacrifice for us. He was pointing to that when he said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. No one who has ever lived has made a sacrifice like Jesus has made for us. We sang about it, that one day he will be at the Father's right hand on the throne in heaven. That's where he's come from. That's part of the sacrifice. Paul reminds us of that in Philippians. He says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human kindness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. The master's sacrifice included being brutally beaten, being mocked with a crown of thorns, being nailed to a cross. One of the things he said on that cross, he said seven sayings on the cross, but one of them that was significant, he said, and we have it recorded in John 19, verse 28, he said, I thirst. Jesus became thirsty in the throes of death as a part of his sacrifice for us. And some of you might have read of Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon was a, a teacher, preacher, pastor in the 1800s in, in, in the UK. And he had a comment about this, I thirst, and Jesus' willing sacrifice. And this is what he said. Who was this that said, I thirst? It was he who balanced the clouds 
and filled the channels of the mighty deep. He said, I thirst. And yet in him was a well of water springing up to eternal life. Yes, he who guided every river in its course and watered all the fields with grateful showers, he it was, the King of kings and Lord of lords, before whom hell trembles and the earth is filled with dismay. He whom heaven adores and all eternity worships, it was he who it was who said, I thirst. Spurgeon says, matchless condensation from the infinity of God to the weakness of a thirsting, dying man, and it was for you and for me. If we want to know how to find faith to follow Jesus, we have to look at the measure of Jesus' sacrifice, what he gave up for us. And when we, when we focus on the Lord's sacrifice, it will strengthen our faith. The more we focus on Jesus and what he's done for us, the more we will see that we can trust him. If we want to have faith to follow Jesus, we not only keep measuring the master's sacrifice, but we need to understand the urgency of the moment right now. And that's what was happening in this story. Uh, verse 21 and 22 says, Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury the dead. Now, he wasn't being cruel. He wasn't saying that we shouldn't care for our parents or our family. In fact, the Ten Commandments, one of the commandments says we are to honour our father and mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Paul writes in 1 Timothy that if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for his immediate family, then he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. The Lord would never tell us to abuse our families or to leave our families behind. But in Matthew 8 here, he's trying to help us see the urgency of service in his kingdom. It is urgent. There is a a purpose for each one of us every day. We must do what we can, while we can, when we can, is what Jesus was saying. In John chapter 9 and verse 4, he says, As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. If we understand the urgency of our day, it will help us to find faith, to follow Jesus every day. A story that I came across that relates to that was this story of Anne Golden. Now that's her in her singing years. And the picture up there is a picture of a care centre that she established in a town, a rural town in Peru. And this is her story. A 35-year-old woman from England woke up to this urgency of service almost 60 years ago. Her name, Anita Goulden. In 1958, gee, that was a really good year. Must have been 62 years ago. Um, she went on vacation to visit her brother in Peru. Anita was a widowed uh, single mother who owned two clothing stores in Manchester in the UK. She was about to go home by way of the United States when she saw what she perceived as an unbelievable sight. Children with tuberculosis and meningitis lying neglected and abandoned in the street in pools in their own blood. She wrote in her diary these words, In my wildest dream, I had never thought of human beings in such shocking conditions. The appalling poverty, the indifference of those around, I can only liken it to visiting a store and finding all the goods priced wrongly. Precious goods worthless, worthless goods precious. She couldn't understand why this was happening. 
So 62 years ago, Anita stayed to help. For the next 44 years, she stayed, only turning home once, one time before her death in 2002. And that trip was to buy medicine. Anita started travelling by donkey to the nearby villages around the town to find more unwanted children. And her first stop in these towns was always the pigsty, the commonplace for leaving physically and mentally handicapped babies, left there because they were of no use to their families and thought to be sent as a curse from God. One of Anita's Peruvian assistants said of her, she has a direct line to God and thank God for the British. Anita herself merely said, thank God there is a God. Can you sense the urgency of the moment for Anita? How did she get the faith to turn a vacation into 44 years of helping abandoned children? The Lord helped her to see the urgency of the work he wanted her to do. That's what he wants to do in our lives. Are we looking? Are we in a little bubble? That's a familiar term these days, isn't it? Are we in our own little comfortable bubble where we're not seeing the needs of people around about us in the communities that we're from, in the associations that we have, that we can't hear God telling us of the urgency of the situation? If we're to find faith to follow Jesus, then we need to understand the urgency of the situation. What has God got for us right here in the Atherton Tablelands? Hopefully it's not kids on the rubbish dump. But it could be people who are well off, people who've got big bank accounts but have got broken hearts at the same time. I don't know exactly what God wants you to do, but I do know that he has urgent work for you and me in this year, 2021 and beyond. How do we find the faith to follow Jesus? We understand the sacrifice that Jesus has made. We understand the urgency of the moment, but we also are to be encouraged by past answers to prayer. I don't know about you, but every now and then I send up those SOS prayers. Lord, help me. I don't know the answer to this situation. Lord, help me. I don't know how to help this person. Do you know what? He answers those prayers. But we need to be aware of that. We need to be encouraged by past answers to prayer. There's an incredible example of this in that passage that I read in verses 23 through to 27. Then he got out into the boat and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. Verse 25, the disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Don't know if you've ever been out on the ocean in a severe storm. Anybody experienced that? Not too many. Uh, it's, it's unique and frightening. Uh, and there's an awful lot of trust in the person who's driving the boat and the boat itself. But these guys were in a furious storm. Some, some, um, some translations say a tempest. The Greek word behind it is the word seismos. We get our word seismology, earthquake type stuff from it. It means a commotion in the air or shaking like an earthquake. These followers were hit by a savage storm. You know, we're going to face storms in our life too, aren't we? 
They might not be out in the boat on the water, but they might be unexpected things that are uh, hard to handle. They might be uh, difficult times health-wise. They might be sadness at the loss of loved ones. There are storms that we will face. But I've got to tell you that Jesus is there with you if you're a follower of Jesus. He's there in the boat with you. And if we trust him, he can help us through those storms. Do you know what those um, men had to do? They had to wake Jesus up and cry out to him and ha- say, save us. Sometimes we have to cry out to him as well. When you cry out to Jesus, you have the greatest power in the universe and the greatest friend in the world with you in the midst of that storm. You'll find somebody you can trust in the worst of situations and he will take you through the storms. Jesus Christ is as close as the cry of your heart and the words of your prayer. We need to be encouraged by past answers to prayer. I had to make a few phone calls this week and do you ever get frustrated with those automatic answering systems on phone? And you ring up a business, you know, if you want such and such, press one. If you want such and such, press two. And then you can't remember which one to press. And uh, a few times this week I sort of had to hung up and try again because I was, couldn't hear the voice on the end of the phone. It can be madness if you can't get to talk who you want to talk to. There's some great news for every one of us today. You can get straight through to God. Just like those disciples did in the sinking boat. You can get straight through to God. He's not going to say, let me put you on hold for a minute. Or if you want, if you want prayers for health, press one. If you want prayers for finance, press two. No. He's there to listen. Anytime we reach out to Him. Some of you may have known of the author and speaker Josh McDowell, uh, one of my favourite writers over many years. He had a story to share about answered prayer. I want to share that with you this morning. It was when he was a young man. He was going to Bible college or seminary in California and sadly his dad had just passed away and went to be with Jesus. Josh's mum had died a few years earlier but Josh wasn't sure about her salvation whether she believed in Jesus or not. Never had that conversation with her. And he started to get depressed, thinking that she might not have known Jesus and it's my responsibility. Was she a Christian or not? And this thought obsessed him and he prayed. He said, Lord, somehow give me the answer so I can get back to normal. I've just got to know about my mum. It seems like an impossible request. That was his prayer. You ever prayed a prayer like that? Lord, this seems impossible. I don't know what the answer is, but I've got to trust you just the same. That was his prayer. Two days later, he needed some space out of the college rooms. And so he drove down to the ocean and he walked to the end of a a, a jetty, end of a pier, just to be by himself. But when he got there, there was um, an armchair, a lawn chair, uh, with a a, a little old lady in it fishing. And she just casually asked, um, where's your home? Where are you from? That's a fairly standard question, isn't it? And so he started to explain. He said, I come from Michigan, a a place called Union City. Nobody's heard of it. I tell people it's a suburb of, and she answered the question, Battle Creek. I had a cousin from there. Do you know the McDowell family? Who's this? Josh McDowell. Josh was stunned and said, yes, I'm Josh McDowell. I can't believe it, she said. I'm a cousin to your mother. 
What was his question to God? Did she know Jesus or not? He, as the conversation went on, he, he said, do you, do you remember anything at all about my mother's spiritual life? Why, sure, she said. Your mum and I were just girls, teenagers. When a tent revival came to town, it was the fourth night. We both went forward to commit our lives to Jesus Christ. Did God answer his prayer? Has he answered your prayer in the past? Then you can trust him for now. You can trust him for the future. You can have that faith to follow Jesus every day because God answers prayers. It might not be a prayer like Josh McDowell's, but God answers prayers and we can trust him in that. And fourthly, this morning, how can we find faith to follow Jesus? Not only be encouraged by past answers to prayer, but we can remember that Christ is in control. That's the bottom line, isn't it? Christ is in control, even though when it feels like he's not in control, he really is. Jesus was in control over the storm that day. He was also in control over Satan and his demons that day. And these verses remind us. When he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gedarens, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God, they shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. He said to them, go. So they came out and went into the pigs and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. There's a lot we could say about this story, but the bottom line was that Jesus is in control. These demons didn't uh, argue with Jesus. They did what he told them to do. Jesus was in control. And if you and I remember that, then that will strengthen our faith in him. We can find the faith to follow Jesus through every storm in life. Wherever he leads us, whatever sense of urgency he gives us to serve him, we can find the faith to do that in Jesus We can be encouraged by the past answers to prayer. We can remember that Christ is in control. These things will strengthen your faith. As I finish this morning, I want to share with you a story about a song that we're going to sing in a moment and the musicians and singers are going to come up and join me. We're going to do something a little bit different. We won't have any any music with this song. It's a song that's been sung for many years in churches, but it may be new for some people. So I wanted to share with you the background to this song. It's a a very early hymn that was written in India. And the story goes like this. In the late 1800s, a family of four in India came to know and trust Jesus. It was a big deal. The village they were from was deeply entrenched in both Hinduism and the caste system. Not to mention violence and headhunting to prove one's manhood. So it it was quite a violent situation. Out of the Welsh revivals, a Welsh missionary who had seen persecution and no converts finally saw God's regenerating work in a man, uh, his wife and two children who abandoned everything they knew, clung to Jesus and were baptised. The village leaders saw their public declaration of faith and wanted to make an example of them. They arrested the family and demanded that the father renounce Christ or his wife and children would be executed. The entire family was ushered into glory that day. Some of the village people later reported the terrible event to the Welsh missionary. 
They said that when initially asked to recant, the man responded, I have decided to follow Jesus. There is no turning back. After seeing his children killed, he said, the world can be behind me, but the cross is still before me. And after his wife's murder, he said, though no one is here to go with me, still I will follow Jesus. You know the song? Some people do. Later, the man's words were shared with an Indian evangelist named Sadhu Singh, who put them to traditional Indian music, making one of the first Indian hymns. And as he so often does, the Lord used this family story to spread the gospel and bring many people from that village to saving faith. In 2021, my prayer is, and my hope is that we'll focus on the one, Jesus, in 2021. We'll choose to follow him. 